1: Hello friends! Once again, the number one podcast in the universe is back with another episode. This is the Roto-World Football Podcast after 16 games have been played over the last few days. Before we get into any of that, a few housekeeping notes. First of all, thank you to everyone at Stitcher for posting the emergency episode that we did on Friday with Ray Summerlin on your front page. It really helped us out tremendously. And if you are from that audience, consider subscribing and telling a friend helps us out and we hopefully will help you win your fantasy leagues as we continue on with this football journey that we're on. Second, because of all of that things that have changed over the last few days, like I mentioned on Friday, Sammy Watkins switching teams, Jordan Matthews switching teams, Plenty of injuries over the weekend. The Roto-World Draft Guide has been updated already. Be sure to go to rotoworld.com slash draftguide to pick yours up. Magazines are fun. They're great. But the Draft Guide really will help you win because, like I said, it's being updated on a consistent and constant basis. With that, I bring in the guest for this episode that you can tell from the title. It is Evan Silva. Evan, it is August 14th today. will be the 15th when this goes out. Um, and we have already watched a lot of football.
0: Yeah, what's up, man? It's good to be back talking about preseason games, actual football. I think that the there's a lot of value to be gleaned from these preseason games. We gleaned a lot of value from them last year. Our, our old pal Adam Levitan always beats the drum for how much preseason actually matters. And it's not necessarily the p- performance in the preseason, although that can be good. You know, yeah. good performances are good. It is where our guys, what groups are guys running with? Who's getting time with Aaron Rodgers? You know, who is, what running backs are not being allowed on the field with Andy Dalton? You know, so, and those those are the guys that are practicing together uh, on the practice field. And that carries over to how the depth charts look in the preseason games. And so we can get a, a, a solid glimpse at what the actual depth charts are not just by looking on the, you know, the team website, but by seeing where guys are grouped, because that's a reflection of what's going on in practice and and where the coaches are slotting these players.
1: And and also moving from week one of the preseason to week three of the preseason. I mean, how much changes in between there is very telling. And Evan, I, I think this is very meaningful for your wallet too, especially that screenshot that you sent me this weekend. So just wanted to point that out there that if Evan talks about a player not a bad idea to play him in your preseason DFS lineups, Evan. We have to get started with Deshaun Kaiser if we can move on right into this discussion. I have never been more excited for a preseason game than I was on Thursday night. Like I, I was hooting and hollering around my apartment. Deshaun Kaiser stepped in. I think it was at the end of the. Second quarter, the beginning of the third quarter, something like that. But it was really the fourth quarter that really, really got me going. So before I lay into everything I have to say, I want to hear your thoughts on how Kaiser played.
0: So there was one bad sack where he held the ball way too long. And he actually wound up making his offensive line look bad because his offensive line really gave him plenty of time. But he held onto the ball too long and he took a sack. And that goes on the offensive line. You know, that was his worst play. Uh, but he reminded us of exactly what you know made him such an intriguing prospect coming out of Notre Dame. He has the ability to place the ball wherever he wants at any level that he wants. Just re- truly rare arm talent. He has an ability to work amid chaos and even contact. I mean, there will be guys on him and he will still have an ability to make plays and extend the play. That to me is reminiscent of Ben Roethlisberger, how calm his feet are, how calm he is in the pocket, even not just with bodies around him, but bodies on him. I thought he was the calmest of all the rookie quarterbacks uh, that, that we saw over the weekend uh but it can also sometimes work to his de- detriment w- w- in, in that instance that i mentioned uh, above people say that he has accuracy issues and i'm not so sure i think he's way more accurate than deshaun watson um anyways you know and the their individual plays were unbelievable i mean the 52 yard bomb to richard Mullaney or whatever was just sensational yeah, the accountant
1: up. whoever this accountant is that he threw the ball to i mean it was it was amazing what he was doing down the field
0: and he just stepped up to evade the pressure and delivered an almost perfectly placed bomb deep downfield. He put yes. it 60 yards on the money with, with a crow hop. And then he threw the game-winning 42-yard touchdown bomb to Jordan Payne. On fourth
1: Payne. and two. On fourth and two. It wasn't even like first down. It was fourth and two. I mean, I, I have a lot to say, and I, I, will, I will try to get it. keep it simple. One, you mentioned it in comparison to other rookie quarterbacks. I think that that's a natural thing to do. One thing that Kaiser did that the others didn't, the other ones, if we're talking about Deshaun Watson, if we're talking about Metro Trubisky and even Patrick Mahomes, made a lot of their plays outside of the pocket. Now, some of them were still inside of structure outside the pocket, but, you know, more things could potentially be defined. Whereas with Deshaun Kaiser, he was forced to stay with inside of the structure of the pocket of the confines of the pocket but still had to hold on to the football in many instances longer than he was expected to. And you know me, Evan, I don't care about clean pocket throws clean pocket throws uh, that are the first and primary reads. I don't care if it's a 20 yard pass. I don't care if it's a two yard pass. All I care about at this stage when they're playing right now is when a quarterback must keep his eyes up in the face of a pass rush, be poised, be patient, And handle that pressure. And he did that extremely well. There were subtle movements at times when they needed to be. They were elongated movements when they needed to be. And he just, other than that sack that you mentioned, to me, showed extreme talent, but also a drastic difference than what they saw from Brock Osweiler earlier in the game, who was absolutely horrendous. And then Cody Kessler, who looked like he had a noodle arm out there. So then you enter Deshaun Kaiser, and it's just like, oh, okay. You have at least a quarterback prospect who you either sink with, you swim with, whatever. But they need to play him earlier than they probably expected to. They will. They They need to. They have to. They have to. And I'll also be interested to
0: see what happens with Trubisky. The Bears have a brutal schedule in the first 10 games. I mean, the first 10 games, they have the hardest schedule in the league. Trubisky was different, as you mentioned. I mean, everything was designed for him to get rid of the ball quickly and confidently. Uh, They used his athleticism a lot. He's a really good athlete, by the way. He's a very good athlete, yep. Used his athleticism on backside boots, frontside quick boots, play-action rollouts – uh, the biggest use use was of boot action plays and helping to de- define the reads for Mitch Trubisky. I mean, he definitely looked like he belonged out there. He was very decisive, yep. as was uh, the plan, and he threw the ball really well on the run. Um, and his ball placement stood out. You know, all of his throws were on the money. Right, um, and. You know, I I think that his velocity and just his ability to put zip on the on the football was clearly superior
1: to Deshaun Watson's. Yep. And let's talk about Watson. As you all can tell, we're not going game by game here. We don't want to go game by game. We want to talk about certain guys that pop up in this conversation. So that's what we're going to do with Watson. To me, Evan, obviously, it was a spotlight game. Of some sort, right? It was a Wednesday game, Mm -hmm. the only game on. And so everyone was anticipating watching Christian McCaffrey and Deshaun Watson. And so it's one of those performances that I think in the moment, there are no other rookies that have played yet, that Deshaun Watson's performance got a bit elevated. I'm not going to say it was poor at all or even average. I, I thought it was good for what he was. But to me, and I was not lower on him than anyone else, but I, I had obvious questions. He showed the exact same questions from Clemson in this first game. And those are dropping his eyes in the face of immediate pressure. And, and, and then his initial reaction to pressure, he wants to find an opening and, and find space. He you know, doesn't make subtle movements. They are immediate, instant reactions. And that's just not my type. And I know he made a lot of plays with it, and there's a discussion there between Tom Savage with kind of what you see is what you get with a big arm and lack of accuracy. But Evan, what I think is most important is that the coaches understood Watson's talent. It wasn't, it, it, it wasn't the same offense as when Tom Savage was in there. They immediately shifted things. And so to me, Evan, that shows that this coaching staff already has a game plan in place it's not just we see with a lot of these teams that they want the same they want every quarterback on the roster to run the same exact style. They shifted it with Watson. So to me they're already prepping for when he becomes a starter earlier than later.
0: Yeah, and then today we're recording this on Monday. Deshaun Watson saw an increase in first team reps. So I I think that they are preparing him to play early. I don't know if it'll happen in week one. Week four at home against the Titans looks like a pretty good spot to install him if their offense struggles in the first three games, which I expect that it will. Deshaun Watson, so I, I covered this game for Roto World. You know, I blurbed up this game and I'm watching it like on TV and I'm listening to the announcers and the announcers had nothing but praise. So that influenced me how yep. I initially wrote the blurb, um, you know, to, to recap what he did. And then I went back and watched it on my own and, you know, all that positive con commentary made me biased yeah. in, in, Which in happens. Uh, yeah. And so I was not as impressed uh, during the rewatch. He held the ball way too long in the pocket. Uh, And Pro Football Focus has a stat where they time the average amount of seconds that it takes for the quarterback to make their throw. And uh, he averaged 3.5 seconds, which was the longest of 53 qualified quarterbacks in time to throw. He was 53rd of 53 in uh, time to throw. Hmm. Uh, He does not throw the ball with a zip or consistent ball placement. I mean, he missed, he straight up missed throws out there. Yeah, there Uh, there were some window
1: throws that like were down the seam or to the outer portions of the field that two were wide open and he missed both.
0: Yeah, I mean he he's a little bit of a wild thrower. Yeah. Um but here's the thing, Josh, I still think he's the Texans best option yep. and it's because of the mobility that he brings to the table and that adds a new dimension to the Texans offense.
1: It opens things up. Like, like they went four it and five wide up. at times. And this is a
0: run-heavy team. Right. This is a run-heavy team. Right. And you, you can look at the impact that Tyrod Taylor has had on the Bills. You know, you can pick him are, apart as like, you know, a passer because he's not like a high-level NFL passer, but he has a, a, a strong impact on... On the offense, even while missing, you know, Sammy Watkins missing a ton, ton of time the last two seasons, the Bills have finished tenth and twelfth in the NFL in points scored. Yeah, and so just this this dimension, even though Deshaun Watson is not where we'd like him to be, I think as a passer, and he may never get there, this dimension that he brings to the Texans' offense is something that they need.
1: I, I totally agree. And again, I don't like it when quarterbacks have his, his initial reaction to pressure. But you mentioned it with some of the other. I mean, it. it you can bring up examples of, of Cam doing it, of Tyrod doing it, of Russ doing it, of Aaron Rodgers doing it, and it works for them. But for many, many others it has failed for them before. So it's it's tough to say, well, it's black and white, it's it's one or the other here for, for Deshaun Watson, either he sink or swims, but it's something that they're going to have to work with. And I, I agree with you. I I think that the more you look at this, the more questions it does have. But I, I totally am in your corner that this is their their best option because it does open everything up. It makes them much more multiple. Um, And with Patrick Mahomes, we should, I guess, just round out this quarterback discussion here. Yeah. There's nothing we can take from it at all. Like nothing happened in that, that I I, I think that we can translate or get excited about. I know he, what threw a touchdown. I know he had another pass called back, blah, 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 but there's nothing happened in comparison to these other three. Yeah. I mean, I think he had like nine dropbacks. So, So let's, let's rewind. Let's go through some other non rookie skill position players. With the Browns, there's been plenty of discussion of Duke Johnson uh, playing in the slot during training camp. And that's an area that on the roster, uh, the team doesn't have. Um, we know that Duke Johnson has had receiving skills from the backfield in previous years. But Evan, he absolutely lined up as a slot receiver for at least nine snaps in this game.
0: Yeah, he also lined up out wide once, and he drew a pass interference flag. Yeah. And then he came in and was essentially the second team running back behind Isaiah Crowell. It's really hard to say. I think how is this going to translate to fantasy production right now? Um, because they, you know, we don't even know who their quarterback is going to be. We don't know for sure how much Duke Johnson is is going to play. It looks like he's going to his, his snap rate is going to climb from last season based on the new wide receiver duties it's a fun thing for the Browns I think I'm not sure that he's gonna have a big fantasy impact he he's he's not gonna he's not gonna score touchdowns
1: his price right now is like round 10 or around 11 in some cases are you interested in that
0: yeah I mean his ADP is fine you know I just it's hard to see a ceiling for him got it though I think
1: okay well let's move on over to Alvin Kamara who was rookie that They have mentioned the Darren Sproles role in the past, Trevorrow's cadet role, something like that, Uh, Reggie Bush role. He started this game, had a number of of interesting runs. But Evan, I mean, this is a discussion that we have with Adrian Peterson and and Mark Ingram. Just how many opportunities are going to be there with Alvin Kamara? And it's tough to know because those two obviously didn't even play in this first preseason game.
0: Yeah, and, yeah, Drew Brees did not play. So Alvin Kamara was out there with Chase Daniel. They ran him right right up the middle on yeah, each like of his four first times. four carries. Yep. Yeah, and he had a couple of big runs. I still don't think he's a natural inside runner. He also did return punts. We did not see him in the passing game, I don't think. I don't think. We, yeah, I don't think we saw him in the passing game. But, you know, I think it's important to remember that he has been compared to these satellite backs of the past – in the Saints offense, but he's 215 pounds, so they may see him down the road. I don't know that he's going to make an impact in 2017, a fantasy-relevant impact in 2017 without an injury to Mark Ingram or Adrian Peterson, which, I mean, of course, one of those is is conceivable. You know, I think that in the future, he has a little bit more upside than just being a passing game back. I think that he can be more than that, maybe like a a, a souped-up Pierre Thomas down the road.
1: Uh, and I want to quickly mention Tommy Lee Lewis, who has, I guess, been a special teamer throughout his career. But Evan, he had a tremendous game. I'm, I'm sure you caught it as well. I'm not saying he's going to take Willie Seed's place, take Ted Ginn's place or any of those. But if Ted Ginn does go out, I would bet that they see him as their you know, vertical downfield replacement. And I mean, he he made some spectacular plays, which is kind of the opportunity for those types of players during the preseason. Uh, you want to move to a, one of your favorite wide receivers in Kenny Galladay, who just recently, I mean, he might have had the best rookie wide receiver performance of the weekend, probably so. Uh, I'll give you, I'll hand you the floor here for Kenny Galladay.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's balling, dude. You know, and, and it's been a, a steady drumbeat since OTAs. It has been Kenny Galladay is making as many plays, if not more, than anyone in the Lions offense during OTAs at minicamp. And in and, and training camp and now in the first preseason game. So, Kenny Galladay is not, you know, he, he's still kind of in a, a difficult spot uh, to become a consistent fantasy performer. But, I mean, I think we kind of know what the ceiling on Marvin Jones is. Golden Tate has a locked-in role. Eric Ebron hasn't been healthy again. Yeah. So, we, you know, we can paint a, a, a decent-looking picture for Kenny Galladay. I don't know. I mean, do you think that he's good enough at this point to step up and, and become, like, the number two option in their passing game? Well, so I, I think that, that that job is still reserved for Marvin Jones.
1: Let me ask you this, because what, what else we've heard from the local beat writers this offseason is that the team – is kind of moving away from 11 personnel with three wide receiver sets, which they were among the highs in the league last year, to more 12 personnel. Now, obviously, Eric Ebron has been out, so you can't really run 12 personnel without Eric Ebron. But mm-hmm. let's say it is 11 personnel. You know, Kenley Galladay is not playing the slot, right? That was Anquan Bowen's last role last year. So if they do run 11 personnel, does that mean Golden Tate shifts inside to the slot and they put Galladay on the outside?
0: So Galladay has not even been working with the first team yet. Okay. It's actually been T.J. Jones with the ones, and and, he's and been we saw him out the there
1: because they've been keeping Golden Tate on the outside
0: yes yes so they're going to have to make this switch you know this is going to be an ongoing situation to monitor where we we, we look in the second game you know and then we look uh, in the in that third preseason game and that will tell you know are we seeing Galladay out there with Stafford because th- you know this was a Jake Rudolph R- Jake Rudolph game uh with K- Kenny Galladay where yeah. he scored the two touchdowns
1: so then here's my point because i think we can point to Kenny Galladay as being the quote unquote winner of the weekend in terms of uh, upcoming fantasy drafts that might happen in the next four or five days, right? MFL is whatever his path to playing time for what you just mentioned is overtaking Marvin Jones. It's not really working in somehow in the first three wide receiver sets. So that's a difficult argument for me to make taking him higher. Well, obviously higher than his recent ADP, which was what after the 15th round, um, mm-hmm. but, but anything higher than the 10th round is, is still a bit rich.
0: I think he's in the mix of guys that you're starting to look at in like the 12th round. And, okay. you know, if somebody takes him like in the seventh round, then you just, you move on and you, you, you know, you, you, you just move forward.
1: But he's also, I mean, if he continues this performance with two others, then that's like undeniable. Like they have to get him on the field. Somehow.
0: I think it's undeniable already already that they have to get him on the field it's just a matter of will they yeah and then how many targets is he going to get on a weekly basis can he overtake marvin jones you know that that's that's a lot to ask even for a guy who has looked this ready
1: let's let's look at another uh rookie wide receiver who's expected to have a big role um except he didn't have one in the first game which was disappointing at zay jones i mean evan this is a team that obviously started with four or three straight passes to Sammy Watkins, the Buffalo Bills, then traded Sammy Watkins, cyan and Quan Bolden recently traded for Jordan Matthews. So conceivably, I mean, we joke, but it's three slot receivers with Zay Jones in there, plus Charles Clay. I guess Zay Jones is their best chance for on the outside. I don't think we saw anything from him, but Evan, just from a standpoint of, of drafting teams, are you now much more interested in Zay Jones, or is it still wait and see in these next two to three weeks?
0: I don't think so. I mean, it's difficult to bet on bet very much on a rookie from East Carolina. Yeah, and I and I know you like him, but I think Anquan Bolden is probably going to leave this te- lead this team in receiving, and I think that Jordan Matthews, whenever he gets, I mean, he he's this is significant that Jordan Matthews is going to be out until like maybe week one with a. Fracture in his sternum. That's a big deal for him, you know. On this new team, on this new, on this run-heavy team where Tyrod Taylor has never spread the ball around, you know, very effectively. So, um, I don't know. It's and the offense is not created. For, for Tyrod Taylor's skill set whatsoever I mean it's almost the opposite you know they have three big possession receivers it's almost like they're putting together the offense for Nathan Peterman that, who by the way got promoted on Monday to the second team offense
1: yeah Ray on Friday's podcast mentioned that he thinks that this is just a sign that they're gonna um, move on from Tyrod after the season if, if we're looking at where his... they
0: just traded their best cornerback and in the, in their best wide receiver <laughs> And, 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 passing
1: and now they're all fighting in camp. Not a so, not a good time. Yeah, up there. it's
0: it's a rough situation to to really want to invest in. You know, it, it could get ugly late in the year. They have a brutal schedule, too. I mean, they have one of the toughest schedules in the league. But uh, They're they're not in a in a great spot if, this if, year. And, and it makes you a little wary, I think, of LaShawn
1: McCoy. Okay, I was going to bring that up because outside of the passing game, we know that this has always been a run-first game. And this will kind of lead me into this next point. LaShawn McCoy, we all love. And he had an outstanding season last year, and I think they could still even use him more in the passing game. But, Evan, I know that everyone's talking about Kenny Galladay. I think that Jonathan Williams might have had the best week of preseason activity. Uh, Jonathan Williams looked unbelievable to me. And it wasn't just running and creating yards on his own. It was also in pass protection. He didn't um, have any false steps in that area, in my opinion. And it just shows that, obviously, they lost Mike Gillisley. But I think Jonathan Williams has, one, independent value. And, two, I mean, obviously, with a lot of these handcuffs that the top guy goes down – uh, we don't know what's happening after that, but I think Jonathan Williams can really ascend. So I think he's draftable, obviously, in all formats, but he's someone that I'm going to target in a lot of formats because I'm willing to take him earlier than, than other people are.
0: He should be drafted in, in every draft, yeah. and I agree with you that his um, his preseason opener was very promising. He got the start. Uh, He worked with the ones. He looked big and smooth, and I thought he showed plus vision on his runs. He had three big runs where he broke into the open field, uh, but he had one of them called back by a penalty. Um, He was active in the passing game, as you mentioned. He had a seven-yard reception. He picked up the blitz. He just looked like a starting NFL back or a guy who had the movement and the size and the mentality to be that based on what we've, we what we saw from him in this little sample and what we saw from him at Arkansas. And each of the Bills' last two backup running backs had fantasy value. Carlos Williams in 2015 and Mike Gillisley in 2016. Jonathan Williams should be taken in every single draft.
1: Uh, okay, we're going to end it there for part one, okay? Because this is turning into a two-parter, which is fantastic for me. It gives me two days' worth of content. So tomorrow... Be on the lookout. We'll be talking about Jared Goff, Paxton Lynch, just for moments because they're absolutely horrible. Leonard Fournette, plenty of other freshmen, sophomores in the NFL. Obviously, Paul Perkins versus Shane Vereen, Thomas Strauss versus Eddie Lacy. So again, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. If you really, really liked it, take five seconds, 30 seconds, however long it takes you, leave a review, and be sure to check out tomorrow's episode. Again, this is the second part here with Evan Silva. We'll talk to y'all soon. See ya.
0: Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends.